Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, tryhards. It's World Cup week, buddy. It is World Cup week. It's weird. I feel very, very strange that I'm spent the day strolling around Rome with my dad and stepmom. Um, showing them a few sites, pretending I'm a tour guide with zero knowledge of the city. <laughs> or linguistic skills. If you were in that England squad down in New Zealand at this point, the Monday of, of match week one, or kind of match day minus five, what emotionally where would you be? What kind of player were you in that environment? Um, I don't ever think we actually travelled over that early. Maybe we did when we went to Canada in 2006. Um, all just starts to get a little bit real, which is quite cool. And um, they had the opening ceremony last night, which looked really good. Um, Actually, the welcome ceremony. Oh, sorry. Welcome ceremony. Oh, they called the opening oh. ceremony. It was the welcome ceremony. But... Um, held, it was uh, the presenter no what's the name of the person that was the MC Ricky Swinnell was hosting Ricky Swinnell was the MC she was the mistress of ceremonies uh, in all her glory um it's really interesting because oh my god that must be like the earliest one of us has said really interesting on this podcast ever we say it 500 times but I think that's got to be the earliest it's really interesting the way that teams have spent money I say that from the perspective that I was quite disappointed in my head that lots of teams had like number ones like kits and whales were there in black jeans and polo shirts and then I thought about it and I was like would I rather have seen the girls in suits and you know shirts and like smart clothes number ones or am I pleased that that money has been spent on conditioning coaching through the summer um paying contracts that kind of thing well it also depends on sponsors so I'm pretty sure what is I don't know what brand the girls are it always used to be Eden Park with the RFU but I think it's Thai can't say it Thai wit no what's the Charles Tirrett 
that's the bad boy. Um, I don't know, actually. I should know. Apologies if you are from that company and you're listening to the podcast. Um, but equally, if there is, suit. <laughs> if there, oh, stop. But if there is if probably every union, if there is one of those contracts in place, it's going to be a menswear and there's nothing worse. Well, no, I mean, I've got some, it's funny you brought it up because I have some wonderful World Cup number one stories. So the first one they, in 2006, so that would have been when, I I think I had a version of it in 2003 when I got my first cap and you had to buy your own white shirt and the material was like flammable. So if you walked too much, it was like wearing really thin carpet on your trousers. So that wasn't very comfy. Nice. Um, my, I decided to go for a very fashionable large collar. Um, and I think you've right, seen Harry the Hill. photographs because I do look like Harry Hill. So that's yeah. a, a really bad one. Um, in 2010, we um, we didn't have a suit. We had a, a cargo short and a white polo. Um, Stop it. The, it was so bad and cargo the cargo shorts. shorts were so terrible they fitted mine fitted my stepdad that he would only ever wear for golf because they were that bad um and we got also, these like nike context, rich is very tall yeah, yeah they were, he's a man like he's a big tall <laughs> he's man, a man. And they, yeah they were basically like a pedal a wide leg <laughs> pedal pusher for me <laughs> it was That's so cool. awesome. I'm going to try and grab out a photo. And on the collar of our slinky golf polo was a fake Burberry print. Not on the collar, on the, like, button area. They were so bad. I'm going to try and find them. I've got them somewhere. Right. Which is probably not the shorts. Um, and they were so we were given, not it was Nike then, and we were given these Nike shoes. You know, like bowling shoes, like, shape. Oh. And um, they were so uncomfortable. Obviously, like... And they hadn't been broken in, so like girls got blisters. I was like that. I I literally felt like I was wearing like bits of MDF on my feet. It was so bad. Rocky wore them so much after the World Cup. She gave herself plantar fasciitis. <laughs> she probably still wears them. <laughs> it was so awful. Um, oh my god, I can't remember. Twenty fourteen, and what I mean, like when we, you know, we talk about like the progress of men's sport and women's sport and stuff like that, and it can't be like for like. And I was pretty vocal in applauding the WRU for getting their um their period pants sponsorship. But I would love to see like a Reese or a Zara come on board with a union to say, yeah, we're going to kit the players out in in nice out, you know, kind of occasion wear that they can. Zara's probably a bad example because I can't imagine many of the girls wanting to. Well, it's really difficult because of shapes and sizes. And I think yeah. that that's what's difficult for brands to get it right with women's rugby players. Because, you know, with the um, off-field stuff, you know, we were just given men's tracksuits, which was fine for the girls with big thighs, big bums, you know, big cross the shoulders. I didn't have hips, so I like that was fine. But they were, I mean, it was awful. Um yeah. But some of the girls, like when I, last couple of seasons that I played, we were then eventually given with Canterbury a female or a male option with the tracksuits, which was good. Um, you say that, but like we obviously, 
are lucky enough to work in jobs that we quite frequently get polo shirts. I know you're a huge fan. And oh. the frequency with which I'm offered a women's fit polo shirt. And I don't want anything that shape in my, it's literally like an hourglass. It's like they, they trace around an hourglass to make the polo shirt. And there's nothing less attractive. You wash it once, it turns into a crop top. I look like Winnie the Pooh. It's just... <laughs> you actually do look like Winnie the Pooh. I just suddenly thought about that gif of him wiggling his bottom. I feel like that's going to be you when you get to the opening ceremony with your I'm with your ITV. I'm not wearing a polo shoe. shirt. I'm not wearing. <laughs> no, but again, I've actually got a Rugby World Cup sevens polo shirt on at this moment because I'm trying to wear like clothes I'm not going to take with me. Um, I again, that's as a woman. There's nothing worse than smart casual for men. That's so easy. Or like when you go to a dinner and it's like cocktail or like lounge suit, it'll say on an invite to any rugby thing. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to wear a lounge suit. So what am I meant to wear? Lounge suit. Yeah. Open neck. I mean, attire is something that, I mean, to be fair, I just suddenly thought of something of a tracksuit that I posted over the weekend that's had quite a lot of people slide into the DMs about um, a certain England forwards coach that was loitering in the back of um, like a skill session with England rugby. And an all-in-one grey Umbro suit is not on the top of my list as a coach to ever be given. Um, I just suddenly felt exceptionally lucky that I coached the Italian team and their kit is actually quite nice it's decent stash um Adidas because yeah no it's gone to Macron now um but yeah terrible terrible England coaching tracksuit but um moving on I you know what some of the photographs that I saw of the girls I thought they looked quite smart I thought like I they did look as they did look like they could be Australian like that's a kind of Aussie vibe the, for the um, Commonwealth. Scotland girls looked smart, but I was disappointed they didn't have like tartan skirts, which they had for the Commonwealth Games, and they looked absolutely amazing in them. So I was a little bit gutted they didn't have those because I thought they looked great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope they all enjoyed the opening ceremony, and I hope that the it wasn't the opening ceremony. It was the welcome pack. Then well done. <laughs> um, the opening ceremony is on Saturday and Rita Ora is performing. How much are you going to want to shimmy up onto the stage and be part of that performance? I'll be honest, I'm not like, no offence to Rita, I'm not all that fussed about Rita. <laughs> I, I love her husband. Like, Riri. I, I, I am absolutely <laughs> desperado to meet Taika Waititi on Saturday. They're now going for world record, aren't they? They're going for the biggest ever crowd, which I think they've surpassed if everyone turns up. Obviously, you can sell tickets, but people have still got to get through the door. It's an interesting one as well, because they've said there's 35,000 tickets sold for Eden Park on Saturday. But obviously, the way these tickets work, they're triple headers. So you get all three games. So the first game up is France versus South Africa. Then you've got England, Fiji, and then Black Ferns, Australia is the final game that day you could have swathes of that day where the stadium is almost empty because I can't imagine people are going to go and sit through three back-to-back test matches. So I think we can assume that um, Australia and New Zealand is going to be very, very busy. I hope that people go in to watch the other two games. 
I hope that it isn't a case that it's quite disruptive. How, as a player, how disruptive is that if people are coming and going? I know that obviously you played in some of those test matches that were at Twickenham after men's games. When people are kind of filing up and down vomitories and stuff like that, is it disruptive? Do you notice it when you're on the pitch? Um, you notice it when uh, you go out to warm up and there's approximately 70,000 people in the stadium and you go back out and you realise that there's probably about five and two of them are your mum and your brother and there's a couple of chip packets flying around everywhere. Um, yeah, no, it's like it's like someone's let the plug out and it's just all of the hot water drains and you're just sat in an empty bath like it isn't. And, and that was my big thing when we were pushing for like big change in the women's game and that you've got to stop having the games. We've talked about it loads, mate, about got to have the games before the men's if you're going to be at Twickenham or standalone like it is next year. Um, anyone that listens to this pod that's part of the England pathway that's played regional through the years, divisional, um, England international, Jill Burns is on the case and she has got a block of 800 tickets for all of us. So make sure okay. you're involved. Just a little shout out to that. Sorry, LJ, I love the you're fact not that Jill, I, I love the fact that Jill Burns is my new best friend. So we've been texting each other quite a lot over the past two weeks. Um, she's going to get me a cap of some description. Um, biggest try hard. Uh, but I love the fact that she's managed to get 800 tickets for an area of Twickenham for a game that was announced last week when she was on a river cruise with her 80-something-year-old mother at the time. <laughs> And when I say river cruise, in Budapest, it's not like she was in the UK. <laughs> she has been literally on sailing around the rivers of Europe whilst getting that done. She's a hell of a woman. Oh, unbelievable woman. I'm on a, so we're on a Red Roses group. So there's a Red Roses group as well um, for retired roses. And it unfortunately hasn't been updated for quite a long time. So there's a, like my generation. It's not that many of us on there, which I was quite surprised about. And I was like, why is there loads of chat from the like 91, 94 group? It was because basically I was on the group with just that. <laughs> um, so I added a load and we, we've had a bit of confusion recently about our Red Roses number because one list got put on the group and I was like, that's one out. Like, that's weird. It's dropped a number for the number I was presenting. Oh, really? And then another list appeared with the others, which has now created, you can imagine a group with over a hundred odd women now going, yeah. so which number is it? I'm different on both. It's like, yes, we know. Like, so bless her, Rob Clayton is having to, I started something that I don't think she appreciated on a Sunday afternoon. Um, wow. Which, yeah. Who but, is Red Rose number one? Uh, Karen Almond. Of course she is. Yeah. So as captain and also it then just went alphabetical. She's May, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I've been presented with 109, which is on my Twitter bio. So hopefully it doesn't change. But um, we've all said that lots That's of Rocky, women... 108. 110. 110? <laughs> wow. Danielle, come on. 108 star at Um Yeah, uh, 110. So I got capped before her. I got capped in the end of the Six Nations. She got capped in the seven, on the summer tour, went purple, nearly died, then decided to lose loads of weight because she was vastly overweight but anyway um what were we talking about before that empty before stadiums diverse. full stadiums so the black ferns game's the last one up so in theory yeah. fill up as it gets closer to that game yeah um so it is an interesting one because they did that for the world cup final in 2014 and france uh were knocked out by canada in the semi-final so they played wow. in the third fourth against ireland the stadium was a sellout and 
for their game. And then people did leave for the final, which was really annoying because loads of England fans didn't fly over because they were worried that they or didn't get the train over because they worried they couldn't get hold of tickets. So it's an interesting one that hopefully World Rugby look at because what you don't want, it's like you want a, a, a place where tickets can be given back to then collected, you know, so you've got, you can access the games you want to. Um, and you understand why, because all three games are in the same stadium. To empty a team to then, yeah. like, it's physically and logistically impossible to do what they want to do. I suppose the good thing about England, Fiji, is that England are like who they are coming into the tournament. There's a load of chat about how good they are. Yeah, lots of fans will probably want to see them. They are big names in the in out there. Um, but that said, Fiji, as we know from Sevens, have yeah. the best crowds that go around following them. And well, I've I told you my, my Hamilton Seven story when I gone up to the Tron. So the last time I was in New Zealand, I'd gone up to the Tron to watch the Sevens. And Wales played Fiji in their opening game. And they were like, uh, next out, Wales. And me and Emily stood up and I had my daffodil head on and I was cheering. Woo! like yeah Wales making loads of noise and they went against Fiji and the every other person in the stadium stood up like the whole <laughs> stadium was Fijian and I was like I might just sit down so yeah that was that would be an interesting thing I think for um England to deal with as well like there's no obviously they they'll walk that game you'd, you'd imagine you'd yeah. hope but yeah no like I think there's you know we'll be talking about it in the build-up and everyone's going to be talking about England and it will be talking about combinations and it's their last, in theory, warm-up game before playing the French. They're not going to lay down. And I think the one thing you can guarantee with the Fijians is that they will play from anywhere, they will play with anything. I think, is it going to be too much of a task for them to beat England? Well, yeah, of course, I think, you know, England will pile on points from easy, like, easy mistakes. But watched um so Canada went via Fiji on their trip over um and it was nil nil at half time yeah. I mean what their analysis was like at half time I don't know um I only watched the highlights which started with the anthems and 40 then 44 minutes <laughs> I still love doing highlights can't like that so I'm not going to put anything in from the first half <laughs> Can you imagine? oh my god I did so many European games like that where it'd be like I think I did a European it's semi-final that ended six three, and I was like, "Should I just oh, I put the first match. half in?" A test match, and there's no highlights from the first half. I was just like, "Oh my god!" I mean, surely there must be something. So yeah, I, I'm maybe pleased I was spared that forty minutes of my life watching that back. But um, to be fair, some of Fiji's tries were really good. The Canadians battered them up front. Now they are going to be one of the strongest in set piece at the at the World Cup. So say the Olympic Games at the World Cup. Um, but I think that that's where Fiji are going to struggle fundamentally. That said, I think their, their fly half is decent. The 10 that played against Canada, I didn't see the team sheet, so I don't know her name, but I know that she's definitely in the squad. Some of their players have come back from sevens and they were looking yeah. class. They kick from lots of different areas. They will do a style that England can't prepare for. Yeah. So I think from that point of view, they're going to be tough. They're big, strong, physical women. Um and it and it the scoreline that will be a game where the scoreline does not reflect the the intensity that, of some of those collisions. I have said to you before starting this podcast so that I'm not going to put any video content out from it, but I feel like 
the way that you just delivered that analysis uninterrupted by the fact that you had to scrape one of your own hairs off your tongue halfway through <laughs> it wasn't mine it's was Koya's ew <laughs> that is disgusting um hang okay. on. with regard to Fiji see... again if that Fiji they're a physical side no, hang on. I'm gonna justify Koya's dog hair in my face because she came over to talk to you she and did. for fight for about 50 seconds I had you going koi koi as she was leaning into my face I went koiski poiski my koiski poiski I love it um Fiji are going to be a physical test for England we know the looks of relief that were on the faces at the end of that warm-up match against Wales that players had come through unscathed how much will players be worrying going into this game that it's another opportunity to get injured and you know not a World Cup game is a World Cup game is a World Cup game but players won't want to get injured before that French game and also not to double question you here but I've noticed on social media that there are certain England players walking around with boots on and I don't mean rugby. Ooh, look at you with the uh, eagle eye. What have you noticed? What have you noticed? Well, Marley certainly had one on. And then as of yesterday, Lark was uh, bopping around with a boot on too. Yeah. It, you know what? It's really interesting. So I've seen it. I've spoken to a couple of girls and stuff. And I think the boots and the, the braces and everything, boots in particular, like in the past have always seemed so extreme. Yeah. They because you can wait there, they just isolate it to just to stop a lot of and, and also if you're going on a walk or if you're gonna go and do stuff, because you can wait there in them, it just stops you from twisting it. Now obviously both of them have picked up niggles. Lark went off with a strapped ankle against Wales. So if that's the same one, possibly. Um I think probably to their benefit this time round is the fact it's a six-week tournament. Yeah. So, you know, you can get over a grade one, grade two in six in that time. So yeah. it'd be interesting it to see whether... What impact does a long-haul flight like that have on players? Regardless of whether they've flown in economy class, business class, does that must have a, an effect on you physically in terms of, um, you know, repair and stuff like that, if you are carrying something? Um, I think the biggest thing is, depending on your own personal body like bodily reaction like I swell quite a lot my calf swell quite a lot in the <laughs> little bodge <laughs> little she's got her legs on upside down guys she's got her legs on upside down <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it depends like they will be wearing all of the like latest like compression stuff um but that that's factored in when you travel anyway I think the difference is you've got to get up and move and um and stretch and lots of things that they can do I remember back in the day New Zealand obviously for them to travel for 40 hours it's literally like popping over the bridge yeah. um to Wales so they they used to turn up on sevens trips and they had these like face masks like they weren't face masks like we know now they were like like a gas mask like as in yeah. that you get the gas in there yeah, like, and then they had these little these had these little test tubes that were like we were like oh god they're magic potion like what are they drinking <laughs> And then they had like certain, I don't know if they had like glasses or certain things on their phone. I mean, it was all real basic stuff, but we just obviously would make up stories because they used to beat us all the time. So we thought it was fun. But um, I think it's, you know, the technology around recovery is so good. And what the England S&C team will be doing and the medics, it's then 
making sure that the players have got enough time to to get function you know moving and it is actually really it is fascinating how they do it so you'd start off with um like you just saw the Scotland team doing team building it's all very all straight line they had to move a balloon up a hill I think that was what yeah. they were doing look like um so like hand-eye coordination like you don't you don't hammer the nervous system really early on like you just do basic stuff so yeah like it's all it's all cool that that comes into the game now um Scotland girls leading in a bit of Wim Hof as well I've noticed they went out whale watching didn't see any whales so they just jumped in the water who did Scotland girls I love the fact <laughs> as well that obviously CB Christine Belisle is Canadian born and in my head Canada is one of the coldest places on earth and all the girls got in the water off this boat and she stayed wrapped in a towel inside because it was too cold for her slash sensible because she knows the effect yeah. of how cold it yeah. actually is and doesn't need I to do, do it because grew up doing it and wasn't excitable like the rest of yeah. <laughs> the England girls have been to the waterfall as well by the looks of things I saw that yeah um Thomas quite... from, uh, from the telegraph we're gonna go and do that we've decided mm. um yeah no they it, it looks like it's pretty wet and windy uh, the best yeah, the best um best footage i've seen uh was from jill bork who i think that's how you said say a surname ex-island international she's team manager for the south africans and she videoed um three South African players stood underneath a tackle bag because it was raining and really didn't. And there was like other ones dancing around loving it. And it was basically some people like the rain, some people really, really don't. And she said that some really struggled. Mm. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, when I basically first knew I was going, I said to Ricky Swinnell, like, what weather am I packing for? And she was like, oh, you know, bring some summer dresses. Like it's spring, summer. Um, it won't be cold, but, you know, we could get showers. And I spoke to her this morning, bearing in mind that I finished packing last night. And she said, I got it very wrong. We've had a massive cold snap and it's rained every day since I got back. Brilliant. Fantastic. Because I've now packed. <laughs> so superb. Love that for me. Brilliant. Um, I was going to ask you about a kind of more general view of the pools, the players, the matches and weekend one. I will run you through the games. I'm wondering if you've got any uh, little ones to watch for me. So Saturday, Eden Park, gird your loins because we kick off the 2021 playing in 2022 Rugby World Cup with South Africa versus France. That's followed by Fiji versus England. And then Australia, New Zealand rounds off day one. Day two up at Fongaray kicks off with USA versus Italy. Then Japan, Canada follows and it finishes with Wales, Scotland, which is 5.45 in the morning on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I we've got a reasonably early call, I think, I've been like, oh, it's not too bad. It's like 3.15, 4.15, 5.15. Yeah, because that's in European time, not English time. And also we found out the other day, team, I think it was Jess from ITV pointed out that um, we also lose an hour at some point. So clocks go back. So we repeat an hour. The clocks change yeah. during an evening of work. So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. Um crazy times but yeah you know so first game I've got a little I've got a little stat for you you're going to enjoy this and you can like break this out hopefully Phil who's in charge of everything ITV doesn't listen to the podcast and hear this so you can impress them did you know in TV we work to a 30 hour clock for no. things like that so basically if you work to a 24 hour clock and a program started before midnight and continued into the next day it can cause problems because obviously the time it comes on air 
and the time it goes off air are going to be on two different days clockwise. But also because of the time going forward, if you started a program at 23.30 and it finished at two o'clock the next morning, it would actually finish at 24, 25, 2600 because we, we worked to a 30 hour clock in that instance. Wow. There you go. There you go. I don't, I I don't know understand. I, I don't know what's do, happening. I used to do the overnight seven shifts at Sky, and I am not a natural number wanger. So they would be the times that I would be literally in tears in galleries because I wouldn't have a clue what was going on. But luckily for me, I won't be dealing with that because I will be working solely on local time down in New Zealand. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I, I, I will say before we just talk about um, our own views on the, on the pools and stuff, how yeah. impressed I have been with the different coverage for this world cup actually like for me obviously you know having been fortunate enough to be at the last four you don't know what happens in the build-up um so you're just there you're in your own little bubble um and I know you wanted to talk about like the social media and stuff that we talked about last week said it was kind of below below average but it has increased in terms of uh quality um but um unless there's a group of if there's a group of six or more of you I feel like tagging each of yourselves in the story and all reposting it's really yeah, nice if the person that. follows all six of you yeah agree, D- agree. don't do it don't do, it. do your own do your own content um I am um, <laughs> um so 
what have I seen? Um, Scrum Queens, they've done stuff. Obviously, I've like I know how much they cover it, and Ali Donnelly do. Um, I haven't read I haven't read any of it yet. That's this week's prep for myself to see what else what else other people are saying. Different views, always good to mix it up with your own. So Scrum Queens have done a pool by pool analysis. You've got the documentaries that the Black Ferns haven't watched that yet. I'm sure, you've have you watched it yet? Wahina Toa. No, I've actually downloaded it to watch on the flight. Yeah. So there's two parts to that. Make sure you get the second part. That'll be annoying. Or get the first part and the second part because yeah, that'll be that. even more annoying. Um, you've obviously got the England documentary that's being aired tonight. This is Monday, so it's going out Monday night on ITV4, I think. Yeah, I haven't watched that because I couldn't make it down to the premiere on Friday evening. But everyone who went who I know has said that it is absolutely fantastic, that it's really, really good. So I am yeah. looking forward to watching that. Well, it's showing the girls like bombing and training really hard, isn't it? Maybe not vomiting, but um, training hard. Oh, one thing I will say to watch as well, not a um, squad thing, but um, World Rugby in association with Whisper have done like the referee's journey to the World Cup. And the last piece of that went out last week, actually. Um, but that's really good. I really, really enjoyed that. It's really interesting listening to Alhambra and, and those kind of behind the scenes about the way selection has worked for the World Cup with the referees and also looking at the kind of competition between Coxie and Holly and Joy and and you know I think from Joy's perspective this World Cup's massive because you know she's a world-class referee but let's not forget you know from her perspective she's had a baby in the last 18 months she's gone to a World Cup you know she'll want to referee a final but for her it's six weeks away from home and away from her little boy so um their journeys have, have been really intriguing as well and um you know Holly Davidson could get the World Cup final and, and referee two World Cup finals in, in the space of three months, which would be pretty epic as well. So there's a lot of really interesting narratives yeah. within that group. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm intrigued to see like how the referees get on um, and being in an analysis suite in terms of being a being on the couch rather than in commentary. Obviously, we have more time to decide what we want to talk about and how much we are going to be talking about the refs. You know, given how much we talk about the refs in the men's game and the decisions they make and the decisions which way they sway with the use of the TMO, what actionable points they've got. Like all of the teams, I'm sure, will be having meetings with the referees. Coaches will be going in. Players will be hearing stuff. We did analysis on every single referee. I remember back in 2010, um, Barney, he did. He was charged with um, an, analysing the refs. Um, so over a decade ago, we would he would come in and say, "This is their traits. This is what they do." Like yeah. fascinating. Um, so yeah, there's that, and then there's also um, just going to the other stuff that's like Squidge is covering stuff, which I think from a rugby point of view, his reach is pretty vast and predominantly not necessarily women's rugby followers. So it would be interesting to see how they pick up on that, whether that's like new eyeballs to it. Um, and also, I'm interested to listen to. What he has to say is somebody that I haven't necessarily associated with the women's game. I don't know, maybe he has covered more, but I don't I don't watch much of his stuff. So it'd be cool to do that. Um Telegraph did a whole load of stuff. They did yeah, a well done Thomas. I um I I picked that up yesterday, so I've got lots of bits from that to read. Um Rugby World and magazine yeah. like last week. I've got it now. Absolutely superb. Some really great pieces in there. Really great pieces, really nice. Helen and Rowland's piece in there. Um, and yeah, I've, I've read a little bit in the hair salon, but I'm trying to keep it for my flight. Yeah. So all in all, there's lots out there. 
and I enjoy yeah, it. And there's lots of different mediums of. And there's going to be a lot of content that people aren't necessarily aware of yet. I know that World Rugby have got massive, massive plans. Um, hat tip to James Bass at World Rugby, who's been incredibly passionate about this World Cup and pushing it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of World Rugby. Um, and there's loads of people on TikTok who are pushing the the women's game. And I think you know it's going to be really interesting just to see how sticky the the Rugby World Cup 21 hashtag becomes. Um, so, you know, if you are tweeting about it, if you are making TikToks, if you're sharing Instagram post stories, keep putting the, the hashtag on there. It, it sounds like a, a weird thing to remind people, but you know, we, we are still in the realms of building women's sport from the ground up and, and let's, let's get that traction and, and get people just, aware of it. Yeah, mate, I just find it really difficult because lots of people I've seen have commented been like, but did it happen last year? And I know the COVID thing, I know why it's 21 because it was then, but I think that's the only challenge I have is that, and I'll put it, but do you know what I mean? Like, it's just not as yeah, clear. Yeah, you don't want to have any... But you know what? Like, I still maintain it's a really difficult one. And I'm, you know, as we all know, I'm a feminist. There's a difference between... Are a you? That there's a difference between equality and equity. I don't necessarily believe in branding a World Cup not as a Women's Rugby World Cup. I still call it the Women's Rugby World Cup. I'm not going to stop calling it a Women's Rugby World Cup because regardless of what year you put on it, especially from the perspective that we've got Rugby World Cup 21 playing in 2022, but we have had a Rugby World Cup 2022 because of the sevens. And I just personally think that the more applicable hashtag would have been WRWC because at least everyone knows where they stand. We know what we're talking about in 2023 next year in France. People won't hashtag RWC23. They will just hashtag RWC just like they did in Japan. And for me, you know, maybe we tried to, maybe we should have tried to push it as men's rugby world cup, but I personally feel like dropping women's from it isn't helping and does it a disservice. Mate, we've talked about this loads. Yeah, mate, we've talked about this loads. I completely agree. I don't like, it's, I think virtual handshake yeah well yeah but it's because if you put women's if you put women's or if you put men's if you put men's in some in front of something you're inadvertently advertising that there's women's because why would you put men's if there's not women's that's why that's for me it just and it yeah um gosh those alarms are very loud I don't know if you can hear them I'll be in studio for England Fiji New Zealand Australia um chatting with the team on the sofa I'm a bit nervous actually why um well it's not the normal job that I do I normally I've got 80 minutes to get all of my lots of words out you know in the studio you don't get them along do you um and it's very early in the morning so I've got to get up even earlier to make sure that my uh bonce doesn't look like a complete and utter haystack I that's not my concern my concern for everybody else there is you not being a great early riser slash not getting enough sleep and also like it's really difficult to eat at that time of day and there's nothing worse than a hangry nolly. So I hope they've just got bunches of bananas on hand at all times. Just like, I'm going to message Jill Douglas and say, Jill, please, if in doubt, if you panic, if you're worried the wheels are falling off of Nolatron, just give her a banana and she will come back to life. I'll I'll come, I'll be there. Um, And then the next day I'm actually commentating. So I'm on uh, Japan, Canada. Ooh. yeah so the first day i think safe to say the french will beat the south africans england will beat fiji new zealand will beat australia i think the game of the day will be the game um, of the weekend is Wales scotland 
game of the day just hold your horses the game of the day will be New Zealand Australia but I think there will be moments within England Fiji that will actually be pretty special um and I hope that people don't look at the England game and Fiji's mistakes and say instead of saying oh my gosh England were awesome there they look at oh Fiji weren't good and I think that's the problem with these big score lines is it's really easy to look at the the negative um I am interested to see the French selection to see whether they use it as their last prep game before England. Their last game going into the tournament, they lost against Italy. Yeah. Um, so for them, the selection is really interesting. And I think the area of the game that they need to work on most, um, if they are going to get anywhere close to beating England, is their catch and drive line out five metres from the try line. They butchered it against Italy. They butchered it against England in the Six Nations. In the autumn, Whenever they've played England, that's been their biggest thing. And so Sosha, the, the num- number two, who against most people is decent, has been off the boil. So I'm really intrigued because lots of people are talking about England. Lots of people are talking about New Zealand, rightly so. They're the ones that have been in the finals for the last 50 million years. But France are the ones that I think they will set their stall against South Africa, um, who aren't, for those fans that are massive into women's rugby that listen to this, they aren't equivalent to the men's in terms of where they sit from a world ranking point of view. One question I've got, though, on that is from my experience, I've weirdly covered a few South Africa women's games over the past few years because they've played Wales a few times. Um they can be absolute wind-up merchants and without casting aspersions about any team, I know that they're a team that will have a huge amount of referrals to citing after games. And we've talked about that worry about being injured for England players before the France game. From a French perspective, how difficult is it if you're playing a team like that, probably more so forward, so I don't know how well you can comment on this, but not getting carded, not getting disciplined if you've got teams that are a bit dirty in that kind of environment? Um, yeah, I think, to be honest, it's a, it's a fascinating one when you look at, when you look at how teams run out in a World Cup and how mentally ready they are. And that kind of links into the last week when you don't pick three people that have been to six World Cups between them, um, that ability to run out in a game like that and know that it's a game of rugby that you're ready for, you don't need to prove anything, you're in the squad. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. But I think that that's also determined by the management. You don't know with the new French management that took over in six na- after the Six Nations, like how how their relationship is with the players. Like, are they playing players off against each other? Yeah. Are they fully supportive? Do the players know who's their starting team? Because all of that will dictate how you how confident you are going into the game. I think injury wise, yeah, like you know, in twenty seventeen, someone got injured. Twenty fourteen, someone got injured in the warm up. I want to say Lydia Thompson. Lydia Thompson got injured in a warm up against Samoa, and then ended up being out of the tournament. Um, you know, scored an at probably one of the best tries in a World Cup final ever. Way better than mine. In from an individual perspective, mine was a kind of team try. Um, she scored in 2017, unbelievable. But you got it. I think I think it was that game. I was, maybe I've got it all wrong, but um, like it can happen. Yeah. So I don't think I think to the 
players benefit you've got that time like I said earlier I think the game of the weekend has got to be obviously on day two with Wales Scotland I think the fact what's riding on that for those teams and the fact that they've both been on an upward trajectory Scotland was so close so many times in the Six Nations didn't win a game but again in their against USA they you know they they ran them incredibly close in that game uh, and then obviously missed out on their second warm-up because of the Queen dying. They then didn't play their second one. So okay, it feels like they are due a win, if you can be, if you're owed one. But then I guess the flip side of that is, do they know how to? Because they've come so close and not got over the line. Uh, one thing, and I, I feel kind of a little bit awkward, like bringing this up, and, and I don't want this to sound like exploitative, but I'm really interested in the psychology of teams and and how you would have prepared for a game and things like that. And um, Shiona Lee Crap, Wales captain, is a good friend of mine. I've known her a long time, and she very sadly lost her grandfather this week. He's passed away quite suddenly, um, and she's obviously very, very far away from home. How does that affect a team environment when when someone receives bad news? That must have happened in the past in squads you've been in where people have had bad news about different things. How how does that affect a team? Does that does that galvanise? Does that put stress and pressure on a situation? Depends how public you are about it. You know, there were there was a well, it's not right for me to talk about, but there was a senior player that went through grief that in the 2017 World Cup didn't tell anyone. None of us knew, and so they took it all on their shoulders, um, which was incredibly tough for them. But they put that you know they put the team first, and they said that they didn't want it to to affect everyone because they would be worried. We'd be all worried about yeah. them and her. Um, interestingly, on every World Cup that I've been to, I think we were told, uh, we were asked, how would we like to receive news? Really? And would we like to receive it whilst we were away on tour or before a game? So if it happened, if something happened before a game, would we want to know or would we want to wait till afterwards? Um, so people could make the choice. And I think it's an interesting one because you do have to face facts that that's life. The girls are away for seven, eight weeks and a lot can happen in life in that time. And, you know, as you've just explained from with Shuan's situation. Um, So I hope that that conversation is had across the teams because it is a personal thing. Lots of people perform in different ways and lots of people, if there is the worst case scenario of, you know, some, a major death or some, you know, something, people need to be given the chance to decide whether actually is rugby something that they would turn to because that family member is, you know, the closest person that got them into playing, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like there's something about it that they might not, they want to have that choice. So um, I suppose what's interesting about all of the teams at the moment is the narrative in all of their social media, I think is fascinating because you get an insight as a player into so much more and the, and, and I think England rugby have done a really good job of spreading the love across lots of different players. It's not just, you're not just seeing Sarah Hunter and Emily Scarrett. You're seeing so many different people. Um, <laughs> same with a lot of the other teams. You're seeing photos, of them chatting. Um, there was an interesting bit with the Scotland girls going around asking what was the thing that they were going to do in, on the green screen. And so, and it just showed little glimpses yeah. of personalities, which I absolutely love. I hope you have a safe trip over to New Zealand, mate. Oh, me too. Looking forward to uh, seeing on the screen. Next time I see you will be via um, an ITV TV. That's going to be weird. How weird is that? That is weird. Um, yeah, weird. Have you slinked into that one? Um, oh, but also, 
I, you know what? I am actually, I tweeted and then at the end of it realised that actually I said, oh, I'm looking forward to being, like it's strange to be in a World Cup lineup with Maggie because that was the picture. But actually being in a World Cup lineup with Catherine Spencer, my ex-captain, Rachel Burford, ex-housemate, sevens, like, do you know what I mean? 15s. Yeah. Um, she's going to be there with you. Um, yeah, it's mad. Like it's, it's really, it is really... And me. And me. Well, yeah, I, well, I didn't ever line I... up in a World Cup with you. Um, but how hey, we are now... Wow. 2019 didn't happen, did it? Um, we weren't on the field, unfortunately. We were living our best lives elsewhere. Um, we had matching jackets. There we go. Um, I honestly I think... considered packing that because I'm in, I'm in New Zealand for Halloween and I did consider packing it. Wow. But it won't fit in my bag. Um, yeah, like it, it, that, that reflection of when I played in World Cups with each of them, Catherine, Spence, she... That's weird calling her Catherine. Uh, Spence... Um, <laughs> She retired after the 2010 World Cup, like the heartbreak of losing, yeah. you know, um, commentated last time round, but I didn't get to see any of the ITV coverage. So, um, yeah, like and when I played with her and we used to train, like we were at Clifton together and would train at Bath occasionally. I think I'd go there. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Um, like Rach, obviously, I've like known since Oldfield and Mags. I don't know, just all all the like World Cup stories with those people and the yeah. different trips we were on and the different tournaments we played in together. And yeah, it's cool. Um, and also, you know, I think what the the fact that their ITV are covering every single game, yeah. um, the fact that you're in New Zealand, oh, the ITV, be, and but but it's huge, isn't it? It's not. Yes, the time differences are going to be mad. But the fact that you're going to be pitch side, like coming back with the footage, is class. Um, we're great. So don't, don't have friend. fun, my friend. Thank you, Kiwi friends. Look out! Um, if she's looking a bit bedraggled and needs a hug, don't do it. She's a spiny little it. rat. My God, what um, if they like expecting those hongy things? Look them. Um, uh, last but not least, um, can you please have? A cheese and mince pie for me, please. Absolutely not. Sorry. Oh, they were my fave. Sorry, babe. See you on the bye, flip side. Bye, bye, Bye.